new recording. Now we have bars. There we go. So Colleen will come. Yep. She will join us. We'll have our audio bars and we'll be good to go. I'm Jesse. That's Addie. We're already talking for like four minutes before this. About Ron Hunt and French YouTube and they will stick that on still as a cold open or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean... Because Colleen is out uh, technical difficulties. She will hopefully join us. Um, she says that she's going to be getting in contact with Apple Care. Um, she said her lawyer is her lawyers, getting in contact yes. with lawyers. Apple Care. So this is serious. <laughs> yes, very big deal there. Um, so that is what we're dealing with. And Allison is still moving. Almost done with that. She promises to be back next time. Um, Janice was playing softball. Keelan was out. Crystal was here last time that we actually were able to do this. She was actually at that Mets game last night in Cincinnati. Wow. Which yeah. was a vibrational reset. It really was. We had been I so mean... long with the Mets being like, let's just get to the all-star break. And it was like, it was going to be down to one and a half games over Atlanta. And then... Yeah. You know, it's just, and, and it was also just like, it, like it's the Reds. Like, come on. And, and to have to have them lose when Max Scherzer comes back and pitches amazingly. Like, yeah. it was a treat to watch him. And it was so, like, you know, DeGrom 2017 vibes for the Mets to just literally get, like, three hits and not score. And it just felt sad. Um, and I texted my my boyfriend. Um, I think I might have reversed Jinx the Mets for once. Um, I texted him when there was two outs in the bottom uh, or in the top of the ninth inning. Um, and I was like, I hate the Mets. Like, what the hell? And he was like, what happened? And I was like, they're about to lose to the Reds again. And uh, like, you know, a minute later, I'm like, oop, smoke too soon. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, That's how these Mets do feel. Like, it's like every time I'm really convinced that the season is over, they're like, what's up, bitch? (laughs) I mean, I keep going back to it. It's like the the 1986 season video is like my Rosetta Stone for Mets fandom, almost, because it's like I spent my whole life, like, looking for vibes out of that video, like, Anytime that they've ever started a season two and three, I'm like, just like 1986. I've spent my whole life looking for vibes from that video. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I've spent so, my entire Mets fandom looking for the vibes of that first strikeout in the yeah. 2015 World Series. <laughs> so in 86, they had this game in Cincinnati. And I, I tweeted about this. I tweeted, I, I grabbed the clip of the video. Keith Hernandez hit a fly ball with two outs in the ninth inning. Routine fly ball, and Dave Parker, great player, just biffed it. Just, like, played it right off his glove. Like, he nonchalanted it, tipped off his glove, hit the ground. Keith winds up on second, two-run score. That game winds up going into extra innings, and there's a brawl in extra innings between Eric Davis and Ray Knight. Lots of people get ejected. Gary Carter winds up playing third base. The Mets only have seven position players. So they're going with Jesse Orozco and Roger McDowell switching off between the mound and the outfield, lefty-righty. Howard Johnson hits a three-run homer in the 14th, I think, to win it. Um, And they got a three-run homer from Brandon Nimmo in extra innings last night. Like, I don't know. 
uh, it's a little bit magical. It yeah. really is. And I, I feel, um, look, I've been thinking a lot about this, you know, our, the baseball and magic overlap um, lately. And I, I do feel like there is, you know, I feel like Ron talks about this on the broadcast with a team that is special. A lot of like kind of magical things have to happen mm-hmm. to you. Um, the combined no hitter, that game when they come back in the bottom of the ninth uh, against the Phillies, or sorry, the top, the, Cardinals the, bottom? And the Phillies, the Cardinals and the Phillies, they were both on the road. Yeah, and they like pulled it off. Um, so it must have been the top, but. You know, there's all of these just little moments with these Mets where it feels like there is just something that that I've never felt in the time that I have been a Mets fan that I have, like, wanted to create every time. I feel like last year I really had the, like, delusion where it was like the Mets are going to go to the playoffs and, like, they're good. And it just felt bad. Like, the test, the, the, like, the games like those, they lost those ones every time. And... You know, they've had some heartbreaker losses, but overall, I feel like there's just this little, the vibes are are right, and they're right again tonight, that catch that Brandon Nimmo made, and um, a James McCann three-run home run, a J.D. Davis grand slam, like, it's hard not to love them, and it's hard not to feel like, you know, they've got after, that, after that bad thing. McCann in the last game in Cincinnati, too, and I wonder, and he came back from the injury list, and he been off to a terrible start to the season. He's never going to be like a huge hitter, but he, he can hit some. And I wonder he if like, hit. he he has to know that I mean, he's a human being and knows what his batting average is and what his numbers have been. And that this team, like for as good as his defense is, catcher is a spot where they can really upgrade and especially like they can use a lefty. Well, and it's so it's kind of they're a little trapped though too right when you have the best prospect currently in the minor leagues uh, as your catcher like you know you're not going to invest beyond james mccann and then like tomas nito and Patrick mazika like but to see him really come through in those moments like that those are the times when i feel like these mets are like really special and really good is when it's like james mccann or like the, the times when like Tomas Nito recently will just randomly hit in like the like he's like, Tomas Nito's a clutch hitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's I, I just I'm curious to see what happens because Alvarez really if he could come up right now, I mean, it's obviously not going to be right now. Right now, I'm sure that they at least let him go to the futures game, and I think that. I think, just logically, I think that the idea is of having brought him up to AAA already is that you're giving him that month, and if he hammers AAA pitching, you can call him up after the trade deadline. If he doesn't, yeah. maybe you think about yeah. it, you know, a, a, a third catcher for the organization who maybe you know isn't going to stick around. I'm not really sure what the market looks like for catching. Yeah, I was going to say, who? I mean... Back to Robinson Chirinos, but that doesn't really... It's not like he's a big hitter. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I, I, one thing I want to be sure and mention here is someone else who deserves some credit for Mets vibe improvement is Dom Smith. Mm. I'm loving seeing Dom hitting. 
I am all in on Dom Smith Redemption arc, Hot Dom Summer, whatever. <laughs> you know, pick your pick your poison. Um, but I wanted to ask you. I, I saw this. I saw the story about like the idea of bringing him up Alvarez as a DH and not to catch. Like, what is the logic of doing that? I didn't understand. Because the the position is so important defensively and that he hasn't worked with these pitchers and that asking him to do that while adapting to major league pitching as a hitter might not be something that you want to do. That If you're going to have him catch in the major leagues, you might prefer to do it after he's had a full major league spring training. That would be my thought. You don't want to like throw him into the mix with like, like you want to have the, the 21, is he 21 now? You know, the 20, 21 year old kid catching. I think, yeah, I think he's 20, but 21. I don't know. Time, like if you're going to ask him to catch Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom and Carlos Carrasco, Chris Bassett, Taiwan Walker, those are all guys who can call their own game. Right. But their comfort level with a rookie might not be as high, if, especially if they haven't had the time to work with him during the spring. Okay, that 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 makes sense. So do you think that that's a good idea? Like, do you think that, I guess, it, does it depend how this month goes in AAA? I think it does. I think that, you know, if, if he hits in AAA, like he hit, in double a um then yeah there's no harm done by you know seeing what he can do as a dh up here i think that they would also want to have him dh some in triple a because you know we see it with pete alonzo it is an adjustment uh it's yeah a different, it's a different task when you're a dh every night as opposed to you know dh even once um it's a it's a very different mindset and thing you can really get into your own head um between those at bats if you're not careful let's see so far in syracuse francisco alvarez has played uh two games he's one for eight an rbi a walk two strikeouts so that's two games you know who knows i have no idea who he's faced um, he's not faced jacob de like those poor <laughs> Oh my oh. gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all, Colleen says she's a mess and she's not coming on the podcast. <laughs> so you, know you guys get baseball talk with Jesse and Addie for 30 minutes this week. That's <laughs> and I feel like I I don't want to apologize for like having been sick this week, but like that's why there wasn't another newsletter in the middle of the week. We've had content. I've been sitting on it because I've been not able to like sit in front of a screen and if you're saying sorry, I should be saying sorry because I was really proud of myself for actively pitching a newsletter idea that I just have not written yet. Um, so look, we're all out here, you know, just making it through the day. We're all, um, in our yeah, lives. it's been hard to just be. Oh my gosh! Days. Oh my gosh! Wait, okay, we can talk about this. Oh my yeah. gosh, Jesse, you and I are in such a similar position right now. I. I'm really struggling to just be like, I, I've left my job. I have some opportunities coming, you know, that I'm, that I'm interested in, but there was a like, freelance small things. I don't really like know what I want to do for a full-time job. I have a little bit of cushion from the bio, 
but I want to relax. Like I want to like, you know, try to enjoy my time and watch TV and um, all I can do is like think about how I don't have a job and it, it makes me feel a little insane. I'm just having a little therapy moment on the podcast yeah, now. No, that's, <laughs> that's perfectly valid and it is a fucked up thing that capitalism does to us where it's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. What, what am I? What is, no, you need to be able to like, especially because like everybody's burned out by the world around us for the last six years. Like, it's just you if you have a chance like i think that's also part of why so many people have quit jobs and you know gone on to other things it's, it's like you look at the world that you've lived in and you're like life's too short yeah um, oh but at the i same mean time, totally. the, like you just went through collective bargaining anybody mm-hmm. can weeks months after that but we're so on your brain. We're also wired to just like, and I think social media like really hurts with that because it's and the internet in general, it's always on. Yeah, I definitely have, you know, done a lot of work over the last few years to wean myself off social yeah. media in a healthy manner. Which is not to say I am not like sitting on social media a lot of the time I you know I look at Instagram in my browser these days (laughs) Um, also yeah the thing that you're holding like the phone like I'm walking around with this and it's like this is both my entertainment device and my and a productivity device my phone right and right and I was talking to my wife about this today you know with both of us working at home yeah, it's great that we get to see each other, but it's also like there's a weird blurring of boundaries. Because like yeah. I don't want we don't want to be too up in each other's spaces when we're trying to get things done. But at the same time, it's like, well, we're here, but also, oh, we're here, but why aren't we interacting? Because we're home. No, it's it's, and that's all in my head too. But it's yeah. just there's a lot of stuff that has come down and makes it hard to get the chance to breathe that you really need. I think. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because, you know, I relate to so much of what you're saying in the sense of, like, it's just a very, um, even though it's, like, and collective bargaining kind of teaches you this, so, so, like, hits you over the head over and over with the ways that, like, your job is never going to love you back. And, like, this is all a lie. Like, all of this is fake for, like, someone who doesn't value you. And, like, you know, it really, it's, I feel like I know, like I intellectually am very clear on the fact that like productivity is uh, like societally conditioned, you know, to produce labor, you know, but to actually like, you know, I, I do a lot of yoga and, and meditation and, and it, it's an interesting like spiritual, like meditative yogic practice to watch how um, even though I know that intellectually, to actually like sit in the space of actually untying those ties is incredibly difficult work. And part of it, at least for me, is that like 
there is a, you know, I don't have a job now. And even though I have, you know, opportunities and a cushion of money, there is a terrifying feeling that is also just like this, like that like hierarchy of needs thing of like, to, to know that I don't get a consistent paycheck anymore is like a really scary thing for my brain to process. But it, it is also an interesting practice to watch how quickly that my mind can take that like reality of like, this is the, like, this is real, but this, but, it, but my mind very quickly makes it mean I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to like, everything's going to fall apart. Like, and so the only way to have the illusion of control is productivity. And it like is, it, you know, there is this, this sort of like secondary benefit, I think, to us as human beings, that it's, it's not just like society forces this into us, but also that like we get something out of that. I get something out of that, of like the illusion of control in my own life. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> it, it does make sense. And I think that also as a creative person who makes things like whether you write things or uh, you know whatever you do um when you're in a making things rather than like a pushing papers or crunching numbers sort of situation i think that it does weigh on you like i have this whole pile of things that i have done before and now i am not making any new things um that is a tough thing to adjust to. And, and honestly, it's been um, something that I've had to adjust to just in doing well, it's pen. Is that like, mm. yeah, it's, we're not just doing this to like, it, it's good. It's better that we didn't do an extra newsletter this week because it wouldn't have been as good because I wouldn't have given it the attention that it deserved because I was sick. Um, and that's an adjustment to make just in a mindset that um you know i've been looking forward to making for a long time just getting out of a 24 7 news cycle is, mm -hmm. is you know on top of everything else just societally and generally that's the industry that we're coming out of and i think you know i don't want to i don't want to be too sympathetic to him because what he said was freaking stupid um but I get where Chris Bassett was coming from and saying, well, maybe I just won't test anymore. Like if I'm going to have to sit out for two weeks when I don't have symptoms, what's the point? And I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not down with like, we need to stop pretending that what he said, you know, stop acting like COVID is worse than all these, because it is. There's more than a million people dead. But I get his frustration at like being asymptomatic and like having to sit there, especially while this team has been struggling and watching Atlanta climb up the standings and get closer and closer as you head into that big series next week. I get where he's coming from. He's still wrong. He's still wrong with what he said. He's still a bozo for it. He also gets some, you know, he's, he's also, he's working from a surplus of credit here, I think, um, from his previous. But yeah, that was his point. Yeah, I was really annoyed with that. I think that that's just, like, idiotic. Like, you know, like, you are right. Like, dude, 
we've both had COVID. Like, I'm sure many people listening to this have had COVID. Like, it's frustrating. Like, the way that it, like, sidelines you from your life, from your body. Like, that, like, I get. Like, 100%. But it's one of those things where I'm like, Chris, <laughs> say, there's some things that you can say to, like, your wife, your teammates. Like, mm-hmm. don't say it to a TV camera at a fucking yep. minimum. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was. I was like, come on. I, I also feel like it's like Chris Bass is better than that, dude. Come on. Yeah. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. Apparently he's not. <laughs> um, see if we can get Mark Canada to talk some sense into him. Literally, I'm like, <laughs> Mark Canada does have like, you know, team dad vibes. <laughs> he had that in Oakland too. Like, I, I think back a lot to when I uh, was kind of working at Sporting News. I was working at Sporting News, but I was also like sort of like poking around at sort of longer term things to work on and, you know, talking to people about their interests outside of sports. And that was when I found out that Canada was, you know, doing Instagram and food. Um, but I immediately liked him and he was like, yeah, most of these guys just like to golf and shit. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I feel, you know, uh, the Mets are in a weird moment right now. Like, that we really, it's funny to say that they're struggling when they are the first team in the National League to 50 wins, you know, like, they're leading the division. But watching these Mets every day, like, you know, they I mean, like they needed to win that game last night. Like, and, and yeah. it really does feel like Atlanta could overtake them at, easily at any moment like if the Mets are not winning every game and they're not you know because it feels like Atlanta wins every game well I think that's that's part of why this weekend against the Marlins is is pretty big and you're glad to see them jump out with 10 runs yeah it is if they can go into that series with Atlanta assured that they will come out in first place even if they get swept because I think that's that's a big thing is that there was a moment last year because remember you know the Mets led into you know into the summer last year yep there was a moment last year where Atlanta was coming and coming and coming and but they got you know it got to like a half game for and it was like kind of steady for a few days but once Atlanta passed them when the Mets never got it back to one or one and a half when Atlanta passed them it was done like they were done never getting no right it it was and it, it was it felt like like mm-hmm. the pin put in the balloon. <laughs> I don't think this team is that. But I, I think don't that either, but that was traumatic. They need to hold this lead. <laughs> I I a hundred percent completely agree. Um yeah, it, it feels and I will say sort of like like we were discussing, like it it does feel like this team is actually capable of that. And and you know, it all again to go back to what led the the comparison of last year like it just it, it actually to me never felt like those Mets were playoff worthy like they had I remember there was a, a point where they had played just so many teams under 500 and their role their, their record against teams who were actually over 500 was like abysmal like they were never it was always sort of an illusion this Mets team at, like I think we have enough evidence that like it's not an illusion. Like they're a good team. No, and they and they beat the bad teams too. Like it's not just that 
they've played a lot of them, they beat the teams that they're supposed to. You know, they, they take two out of three against the bad teams, and they split the series pretty much against the good teams. And that, that gets yeah. you there. And um, again, they have not had Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. For most of the season. And, and yeah. Yeah. Um, and losing Trevor May from the bullpen, like, even though he was, they, they were pointing, I think it was Gary Cohen who was pointing this out the other night. When you lose Trevor May, even though he wasn't pitching at his Trevor May best, it still makes you shuffle the rest of the bullpen. It puts an extra burden on Adam Adovino, who has been yep. fantastic. He's been like, great. He's had, you know, a couple of those games where the slider's just not there and he gets pounded, but that, you know, that was really a couple of times early in the year. They've managed his workload, which I think is important and something that the Rockies and the Yankees in particular did not do with him and led to him struggling late in seasons with them. I think that, you know, they they gave him that extra night of rest in Cincinnati that might have cost him the game, but it was a game where they didn't hit anyway. And then he's, you know, what he did in the ninth inning, just mowing them down after the Mets tied the game. Um, and then Edwin Diaz, my goodness. He's so good. Sam, what an amazing transition you've given me to share um, a really fun Diaz thing that my boyfriend found today. The headline, you know, maybe made it into our 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 zero podcast, even though it's four minutes long. Um, it's a fan graph story called Edwin Diaz is going supernova um, that has this amazing little fact, which uh, just to begin, supernova feels like the perfect way to describe like what Edwin Diaz has been doing this year. Like, and I think that is the other thing that feels really different. Like Edwin Diaz for this, like his kind of early time in New York was like fine. Like he wasn't the elite closer we all hoped for. And now, like, he's that and so much more, I feel like. Like, I trust him when he's out there every time. And that feels really different. Um, okay, so this season, 639 pitchers have thrown four seamers in the big leagues. Okay. Diaz has the 16th shallowest vertical approach angle among those 639. And six of those 16 in front of him use some type some type of sidearm delivery and another six of those have thrown 10 or 10 or fewer four seamers all year so he throws his four seamer from a particularly low arm slot it's a very shallow arm angle it's so shallow that six of the people who are shallower than him are sidearm throwers right up around He's winging that in there at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to be easy to hit. Go on. And, <laughs> and they say shallow vertical approach angle, particularly high in the, in the zone, leads to whiffs and strikeouts. It's fairly intuitive. It's fairly intuitive. If the ball is on a shallower plane as it approaches home plate, hitters commit to swinging at worse pitches, expecting them to fall more than they do. In addition, they swing under them more frequently. They're targeting the wrong pitches. Uh, Diaz's fastball, in other words, stands out among even the sea of excellent major league fastballs. I just thought that was a really fascinating yeah, kind of. I agree with that. This is Ben Clemens. Okay. Um, and as he says, allow me to add this to the discourse. I think Diaz is really good. I agree, Ben. He's yeah. really good. Yeah. And 
I cannot wait to... You know what? We're recording this on Thursday night. It's going to be up on Friday. So I guess I can say tonight um, for the Keith Hernandez. We haven't talked about Keith. We'll, we'll talk about Keith at the retirement ceremony. He's Keith Hernandez. Exactly. Um, we'll do um, I we'll do want, a I want nothing more than he has to come into a game in a full house. And get the oh. Okay, so there was a tweet. We can, we, you know, we can just... To, to really put a little cap on why this season feels special and not last year. Nobody panic. That's the thesis of the podcast. Nobody panic. Um, I saw a tweet last year that literally has haunted me ever since. I think about it all the time. That was like, City Field is going to be like absolutely bumping to the trumpets like right before Edwin Diaz comes in in the playoffs to blow a lead. <laughs> That's last year. That's last year. This is this year. And I, but it really, it's like, I do feel like we're really going to be bumping to some trumpets and it's yeah. not going to go badly. <laughs> Let's continue to allow things to go well. Let the vibes be the vibe. We allow things to go well. We now accept hope. This is. <laughs> This has been Willis Pod for another week. This is our That's baseball week. moment of Zen. We we will get back uh, next week. I think I think we might have all four of us next week. And I'm going to I'm going to the ballpark twice next week. I'm I'm doing with, uh, Bob Hodgers, you know, and, uh, Fox Sports, and Sophie Ross. I literally right before we recorded was just like oh, we're still oh, I really. Oh. No, I mean, I can say this is our final recording. I was just at our, our final moment, you know, to really commiserate about. But I think the only team in the league that we haven't, the only team in the division that we haven't mentioned, which is the horrible Washington Nationals. <laughs> the bottom of the barrel. We are uh, three and a half weeks from seeing them together in person. Or three weeks, really. I am thrilled because... I just had the thought, like, I, I, like, I hate going, like, I like going to NAS games because they're close to my house. They're yeah. easy to get to. It's Major League Baseball, but like, I kind of hate going to NAS games. <laughs> and I was just thinking before we reported, I was like, man, I just want to see some baseball. Like, no, I just want to go to a NAS game. <laughs> well, July 30th, we will be there. Um, I will be at four games before then. Hopefully, you will too. We'll all see other next week and everybody else Colleen will be back, Dallas will be back I'm Jesse Spector, that's Addie Barrett this has been a numbered episode of Willis Penn that I don't remember right now we'll see you for the next one